Hello friends, it's Shauna, your nerdy girlfriend from simpleonpurpose.ca. This is not your typical Simple Saturdays podcast. This is a bonus episode. On my Facebook page, I recently shared a video where I explain what the Enneagram is and give an overview of all nine types. And the Enneagram is a self-discovery tool that many people are talking about and learning about because it helps you identify your blind spots, your stress habits, your healthy habits, and it shows you your areas of weakness and your areas of strength. It's a very empowering tool. I'm very passionate about it. So I wanted to make sure that I shared this information not only in video form, but also in podcast form for people who prefer that. If you want to watch the video, you can stop by the website um, simpleonpurpose.ca slash Enneagram 101 or just click, click the show notes here and the link should be there. And you can watch the video, you can read through all of the content, or you can just hang tight and listen to the podcast. If you have questions about the Enneagram or you want to learn more, please make sure to send me a message. Drop me a line. I love talking about it. All right, here is Enneagram 101. Hi, it's Shauna from simpleonpurpose.ca and I just want to do um, maybe a quick video, maybe more if you guys want more about the Enneagram. And it's something that has changed my own life. It's something that um, my friends have encouraged me to share more of. And so I'm going to hop on with the chalkboard and give you just a rundown of what it is and uh, maybe help you find out what your Enneagram type is. Um, so the Enneagram is not a personality assessment. It doesn't focus on your external behaviors. It is a self-discovery tool that focuses on your internal motivations, kind of what's driving you, what you're concerned with underneath all of kind of what the world sees and how you're operating in the world. So there are nine types of the Enneagram and I'm actually quite happy to say I probably have every one of these types in my life and I think they are all special and important and necessary and um, so I'll just give you a run over of what they are and I'll explain what all these numbers mean as we're going along. We'll start with the number one. Type one is the reformer or the perfectionist, and some people don't like being called perfectionists. And what they are concerned with is that there is kind of a right and wrong way of doing things. They're concerned about the good and the bad, or the wholesome and the unwholesome, and they are motivated by this desire to be good and live their life in kind of the right way. At their best, they are um, ethical and reliable, they have standards, they are self-controlled, at their worst, they can become judgmental and dogmatic and critical. And the perfectionism doesn't have to show up in how they are in their environment, like lining things up and things are in order. The perfectionist can often be that inner critic that's in their head talking about what they should have done or shouldn't have done. And they just deal with this inner critic that causes a lot of anxiety in how they go about their day. Um, a struggle that the type one might have is that because they view the world with such um, like a line of what's right and what's wrong, they place a lot of judgments on themselves and others and actually pushes people away from them. When they are healthy, they will go to a type one and pick up the characteristics a type one would have. And when they are stressed out in a state of stress, they're going to pick up qualities of a type four. The type two is the helper. Oh, just let me say about the ones. Um, 
because sometimes it can feel like really depressing when you learn your Enneagram type, you kind of learn like your stress habits and kind of um, things that ways you're trying to hide in the world, <laughs> hide from yourself. And it can be really um, like embarrassing <laughs> sometimes to learn your type. So I do want to encourage you that every type has strengths that they bring into their environment, into their workplace and their friends and their family. And we need all of these types. And I'll say that we do need the ones. They are our moral compass. They remind us that there are these standards and they help us to keep from kind of crossing lines when people are going too far. So the type two, the helper. And the helper is someone who is motivated by the need to be needed. They probably learned that to be loved or valuable in their family, they had to serve others or meet the needs of others. At their best, they are generous, they are warm, they are giving, they are enthusiastic. At their worst, they become martyrs and over-accommodating, indirect in how they're communicating with you. A two may not even realize that they put themselves in this service role, and they may not even realize that it's a way that they are trying to also get their needs met by meeting the needs of others. They're hoping others will meet their needs as well. And when they are feeling overextended, like they've done too much or no one's appreciated them, they will become angry and resentful. And that's where the martyrdom comes in. Also, because they spend so much time helping others, they are often putting themselves on the back burner. When they are healthy, green, they will move to a four. When they are unhealthy, they are going to move to a type eight, the maverick. And you can pick up on why we need the twos. They remind us that other people have needs and we are here to serve them and we are here to show up for them. And the twos definitely remind us to have a heart for people and the needs around us. The type three is the achiever. It's also called the performer. And they are motivated by the need to be successful and they believe that their value lies in their achievements. At the best, at their best, they are optimistic and practical. They are efficient, they get things done, they've got the to-do list, they've got the agenda, and at their worst, they can become a workaholic, narcissistic. You know, if some if their project is at risk or their ability to succeed is at risk, they will even become deceptive. And um, or if their image is at risk, they will also become deceptive. Um, a struggle that the threes have is being in touch with what they feel and what they want. Well, not what they want, but what they, what they feel and what those feelings are telling them. Because success comes at the expense of feelings for many of the threes. So at their best, when they are healthy, they will pick up qualities of the six, the loyalist. When they are unhealthy, they will pick up qualities of the nine, the peacemaker. So number four, the individualist, the romantic, the creative. I have a soft spot in my heart for this one. They are motivated by the need to be themselves, to think about the deeper meaning, to understand their feelings, and to be understood by others. At their best, they are warm, they are, they are introspective, they want to contribute something unique to the world, and um, they're willing to go through suffering to find the deeper meaning in it. At their worst, they're depressed, they're self-conscious, they can kind of get stuck in this this, this like feeling pit where they're in there with all their feelings and they feel like people can't understand them or they don't let people in and they can almost alienate themselves in these situations. 
fours um, might not even realize that they kind of get wrapped up in this own world of their own feelings and thoughts. When they are healthy, they're going to pick up qualities. Oh, shoot. Did I get that wrong? <laughs> I did. No, no, I didn't. It's yeah. Okay. So when they are healthy, okay, they pick up qualities of the one, which is really interesting that lots of these types will echo back at each other. When they are unhealthy, they will pick up qualities of the two. And we need, we need fours. They are, they, they're just creative and they're inspiring and they can remind us that we have feelings that we can think about and they remind us how to walk through our suffering and often they will share their own suffering with the world around them and show us ways to express that and work through that. The five, the observer, the investigator. This is someone who is motivated by the need to be capable and self-sufficient. And at their best, they are analytical, they're wise, they're objective, they're practical, they're perceptive. At their worst, they become arrogant and distant and critical. And this is a type that can get really in their own head. The four is kind of getting stuck in their hearts and the, the five's getting stuck in their feelings. And they can almost substitute fact for feeling in many ways. Um, they are at risk of alienating themselves because they are so worried with self-sufficiency that they will hoard knowledge and hoard their resources. They will withdraw a lot from people if they feel like um, they're giving too much of themselves away. When they are healthy, they move to the qualities of an eight. And when they are unhealthy, they move to the qualities of a seven. And just so you know, these lines are often called direction of disintegration for the stress habits and direction of integration for the healthy habits. We need the observer. We need someone who can remind us to stop, gather information, use some rationale in how we're making a decision. And they also remind us to kind of become masters of our own craft and to um, really take time to learn the practical knowledge and the theory about what we're doing. The six is the loyalist, also called the questioner or the skeptic. And they are motivated by the need to be secure and have support. At their best, they are loyal and devoted they are responsible, they're prepared, you know, they packed the snack bags, they made the agenda, they've got the map laid out, like they are, they're, <laughs> they're like a mom on a road trip. At their worst, they can become paranoid and controlling and defensive. The sixes can become so focused on the worst case scenario that they might come across to others as someone who's really negative. And sometimes what's happening for the six is they are projecting their fears and their stresses onto the people around them and they're not dealing with it themselves. They are not using their own emotional capacities to learn the skills to deal with these things on their own. When they are healthy, loyalist, when they are healthy they go to the direction of the peacemaker, the nine. When they're unhealthy they go to the direction of the achiever, the, the three. And we need sixes. They are, they're the people who have set up support systems in our culture. They are the people who, um, they're the heart of our tribe. They remind us to be committed to one another. They remind us to care for our basic needs. The seven, the enthusiast, the adventurer, the epicurean. And these are people who are motivated 
by the need to be content and be happy, also known as avoid suffering. <laughs> and they are fun, they are confident, they're spontaneous, they're flexible, they're just like going with it and whatever's happening, they're just like making things happen. At their worst, they can be rebellious and self-destructive, impulsive and unpredictable. And the sevens may not realize that because they're constantly moving from one thing to another, that those around them in the moment are feeling like they're not being heard or they're not being seen. They might come off as flaky and they might not even realize it. When they are healthy, they move to the direction of the five. When they are unhealthy, they move to the direction of the one. And we need sevens. Like I need a seven in my life because they remind me to have fun. They, they remind me that freedom, like they, they experience freedom in just their everyday life. Um, they make you feel like anything is possible. The number eight, the type eight, the maverick, the rebel, the challenger, the asserter. This is someone who's motivated by the need to be self-reliant, to be strong and to protect themselves. When they are at their best, they are direct, they are an advocate, they are courageous, they are a leader, they're influential. When they are unhealthy, they are controlling and domineering, they overextend themselves. There's almost a self-destruct mode that the eight can go through because they never want to be vulnerable or surrender, that they can almost muscle their way into something or steamroll their um, motives onto things or their like agenda onto things and it can overextend themselves and maybe cost them a lot of peace. When they are healthy, they are moving into the direction of the two. They're out in the world, they're helping the world. When they're unhealthy, they're moving into the direction of the five. And a lot of amazing people are eights. They're, when you can take love and power and put them together, the eights are influential leaders who really make change in our world. The final type is the type nine, the peacemaker, also called the mediator, and they are motivated by the need to keep the peace and avoid conflict. They are open and warm. They are diplomatic in how they um, communicate with people. When they are at their worst, they are stubborn and judgmental. They're very out of touch with their anger. They can become apathetic, just almost kind of like they just stop and no one's gonna move them or change them. <laughs> and the nine can avoid being controversial and they can be so accommodating to others that they often lose touch with their own voice, their own agenda, um, what they actually want in life. And when you're in a, a relationship with the nine, because they can avoid conflict so much, it actually drives a wedge in true intimacy with the nine. When they are healthy, they go to a three. When they are unhealthy, they go to a type six. And um, I think we need nines in this world because they just can see all viewpoints of people and they can um, they they get in roles where they try to lead people towards more harmony in their lives and more um, peaceful like ways of being in the world. So this is the Enneagram. To learn your type, I would recommend going to exploreyourtype.com. It's a quick test and you can take it and it might narrow it down for you. But to really know what type you are, you have to get online the Enneagram types and see what's, what's sticking for you. Um, there's some great books out there. There's the wisdom of the Enneagram. And there's also the Enneagram Made Easy. It's got a list of questions at the front of each type that you can help to kind of narrow down 
what type you might be. And when you read your type, you will probably feel seen and naked at the same time. You'll feel validated, like you finally have language around who you are, but you also feel kind of like, that's how I felt when I found out my type. If you stop at simpleonpurpose.ca and um, search Enneagram in there or search Google Simple on Purpose Enneagram, you'll find a kind of my story about how I learned my type and how it's changed things for me, how it shows up and how I parent and just how I am in my day-to-day -day life. It's been a real um, game changer for me. It's given me the language around um, awareness about how I act under stress and it's also empowered me to see where I can step into my strengths instead of kind of always trying to hustle or hide my weaknesses. So it's been a really empowering thing. If you want more Enneagram videos or you have questions about the Enneagram, I love talking about it. I'm over the years when I've learned about this, I'm sure that people around me are just so sick of hearing it. I lend out books. You can message me and I'll help you find your type. And if you want more videos, um, maybe give me a topic and I'll put a video together on it. And um, if you have questions about it, just find me and send me a message. All right. Thanks for joining.